Hello everybody and welcome back to Eyes of the Mize. My name is John. That's Ian. Hi, it me. <laughs> welcome to episode 109 here on January 8th. Uh, pondering Ravnica previewed releases preceding release. That took way longer to come up with than it should have, but we got there in the end. We we did get there. It it was a long walk, but it was definitely worthwhile. <laughs> oh yeah. But basically, we're just going to talk about some of the other uh, Ravnica previewed cards that we've seen the past couple days since you last heard from us on Friday. Um, yeah, quick f- quick turnaround between episodes this week, just because of that. Yeah, just want to get back on the usual schedule. Make sure everybody knows that we're still going to be a regular part of your week. Yay! Yay! It's um, New Year, new semi. No, it's the same same old release schedule. <laughs> For the most part, yes. Um, first things first, we have two things to note for our eyes on the community segment. Uh, the first one. Speaking of Friday. Is, yeah, speaking of Friday, the legend Loading Ready Run pre-pre-release for Ravnica Allegiance is taking place at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time uh, with guests Aaron Campbell, Shivam Bott, Marshall Sutcliffe, and Gavin Verhey. And that's on twitch.tv slash loadingreadyrun. It is going to be a hoot and a holler. All four of those people are very fun um again i think that it's very true that gavin is probably morrow 2.0 at this point oh yeah absolutely mm-hmm. uh so tune in to that if you have the time and ability uh also on big community news um there was a recent story that came out of gp or magic fest oakland with regards to the ptq that took place on the sunday as well as a couple of other tournaments and was it but at, at that ptq I'm pretty sure it was at. The I thought PTQ it was. I thought it was at an a modern event that weekend. So it could have been there. But anyway, it could have been there. There are there are two main stories. But this is with regards to Alex Bertoncini, aka Double Explorers. Uh, you can Google his name and find a lot of stuff about him. Uh, but he has been banned for life. Yeah, uh, it it takes a lot to get banned for life. But like John mentioned, the Double Explorer, there was a thing a couple years ago where he cast or he explored twice in a turn, which is. Like, you may play an extra land on a turn, draw a card. What, do you play extra land or something? He So he played his land for turn, played explore, played his land for turn, did some other stuff, and then played a third land saying it was his explored land. Yeah, and it, it clearly wasn't. Yep, uh, and it was so, on camera too, which is the biggest mistake. He, he did that a couple other times too, and there was uh, some... So he got unbanned earlier this year basically made the top eight of a GP in August, which qualified him for a pro tour, which got everybody not happy. But also there was apparently some potential like sketchy play at GP DC that happened last spring that uh, Mary Luke put a posted a blog article about it in her own blog, basically outlining the fact that, Hey, he was doing some sketchy stuff there so everywhere he's gone and everywhere he's turned at all these major tournaments, he's been doing sketchy things. And the, th- and the funny thing is, is people are mentioning, he's like, he's actually good at the game. It's just that if he didn't actually spend so much time cheating, he might actually have a decent, might have had a decent career. Yeah. Uh, the two events that are of note is on one hand, he was playing modern and he used ancient stirrings, which is a green sorcery. That says, look at the top five cards of your library. You might reveal a colorless card from among them and put it into your hand and put the rest in the bottom of your library in any order. He used this to get a green card, specifically hardened scales. Um, and then the other one that came out was that he was playing at the, in the PTQ, made the top eight of it, and then he got caught for bribery. Oh, wait, that happened too? Yes. What? Yes. I hadn't heard that yet. Yeah. Yeah, that was so, the first. That was the first thread I found on Reddit. But yeah, so yeah, the, those the, are the stories that are going around right now. Yeah, the thing with the hardened scales getting caught is that the further dig into it was he was playing a a player who I guess she had said she was relatively new to modern or something like that. So that kind of instantly triggers. Okay, she probably doesn't know who I am. And then he instantly tried to do this ancient stirrings thing. And had she not been playing a deck that also played ancient stirrings, she had one in her hand apparently. She was able to easily reference that card and be like, wait, no, 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 that, you can't get that with that. Yeah, and then he played it off as, oh, my bad. I'll He's get like, a, oh, a my mistake, target, my mistake. But... Yeah, and then later she, I guess, realized that it was very sketchy what he did, went and told the judges about it, and the judges went to him, and he lied about it. Yeah. So remember, kids, don't lie to judges. Yeah, it's like rule number one. If you get caught with your hand in the cookie jar, 
don't say it was someone else. So not only did he just own up to it. Yeah, not only did he fudge around with that whole like trying to grab an illegal target, but he also lied about it, which is essentially what the double whammy was. But anyway, enough about that. Uh, I've seen actually some things where people have been kind of like trying to drag his friends into it. Don't do that. Just just seriously, don't do that. Um, if they're Alex's friends for other reasons other than magic, or if they're friends with him because of magic, cool. It's on them to decide whether or not they want to continue those friendships with him. I'm sure they will. But as for now, he's banned from the game, and it good riddance. Yeah, like honestly, magic it's, is better off without him. Yeah, and this is also like after he had done that whole going to a the judges invited him to a conference to t- him to say like cheating tips and tactics and stuff. It's yeah. like. Bro, you obviously he have did, a target. No, 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 no. He did such a good job. He the, he let them catch the biggest cheater of them all himself. himself. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is that honestly, at this point, I wouldn't mind him now going to these judges comp, judge conferences and doing like, hey, here's all the cheating tactics. Like at the time, it was more of a the whole like uproar about that was he's somebody who's a known repentant cheater who can still play the game, so he might be withholding certain tactics. On the flip side. The other kind of maybe more sinister take is that he was doing it to repair his image so that people would be more willing to accept him. Oh, for sure. Now that he's banned from the game, he has no incentive to do so. Well, yeah, and not only that, too. Yeah, he just has literally zero incentive to withhold anything, and maybe he can try and help the game that way. But honestly, at this point, he could probably just make a complete break from the game. Yeah. Um, he'll, He'll be able to play casually, but competitively, he's done for. And... There was some debate about whether people should be banned for life or not, and it's 10 years is a, like the main figure, figure was like 10 years figuratively thrown out there. It's a long time for 10 years. However, in this particular case, it has been unrepentant repeating of yeah. a thing. If it had been like one or two times, close succession, fine. Over a long span of time, he got banned for like, was it three, four years? came yeah. back to the game, still got caught cheating. Sorry, that's that's yeah. you obviously didn't learn anything in the three years. And, and also you're obviously remember, not gonna learn anything in ten. Yeah. Also remember it is it is okay to call a judge. Like I've called a judge myself multiple times for I've called a judge myself for missing a trigger. I've called a judge myself multiple times for looking at an extra card deep in my library when I shouldn't have. Oh yeah. And I know and, for and me personally yeah. yeah, I me personally as soon as I realized I put my hand across the entire table I'm like, hey stop. And yeah. everyone's like, wait, what? I'm like, we need to call a judge. I screwed up kind of thing like that. I make yeah. sure I'm like, I put my hand all the way across the table, kind of like hovering over their per- like over their side of the board too, to be like, don't, don't do anything. Hold on. Yeah. Cause yeah. they might be looking deep in their cards and they see a hand kind of reach all the way across that gets kind of people's attention. Yeah. I kind of just like slowly reach it out there, but yeah. Yeah. Nor, nor every, almost every time that I've done it, I've just always been like stupid and just raise my hand, shout a judge, and then the judge goes, "Hey, what's up?" I'm like, "Well, I, I just looked at next. I just looked at this card in my library, and it was an accident. Didn't yeah. mean to." Yeah, I just I just let my opponent know I'm calling the judge first, and then yeah. I call the judge, so so that like they're not like, "Oh, what's going on?" I'm like, "Hey, calling a judge on myself." Yep. Or, mm-hmm. "Hey, we need to call a judge for something that might have happened." So, okay. anyway, now, let's talk about Ravnica Allegiance cards. On to the good stuff. Yeah, so this, this is so, one. So this was that, one we didn't talk at the chance. Yeah, there's a couple here at the beginning that we were going to talk about last week that we didn't get a chance to talk about then because we there's a lot of cool cards in this set. Yeah, there's it. it this set has definitely been like much like Gills of Ravnica. This set has put the pedal to the metal. So I, I see why people loved it when we had they had returned to Ravnica a couple years ago before we both started playing again because dang. <laughs> This is oh yeah some spicy goldness. All right, so John, let's start us off with one of the, some of the cards from the previous week. So this one I was really excited to talk about, um, but it's precognitive perception. It is three blue blue for a rare instant. It says draw three cards on it, so that's pretty good. And then it has the Azorius ability Addendum, where if you cast the spell during your main phase, instead you scry three, then draw three. So straight off the bat. This is literally Jace's ingenuity with the addendum clause tacked on. Mm-hmm. Same casting cost, instant, draw three cards. Jace's ingenuity back when it was legal and standard, back during the M15 era. Um, I want to say this was played in Esper Dragons. I don't remember Yes, though. it was. 
Okay. Yeah, I I, well, I played Esper Dragons back in the day for that one. So yeah, we, we we ran it a couple like two or three of those. I I only know that because I made sure when I went out and bought the other uh, really cool FNM promo ones. Oh yeah. Got to have that flash. But anyway, this card is great. Yeah. Um, people are kind of arguing whether or not the ident- the casting it as a sorcery is worth it for the Scry three. So they're trying. To, I think it is. They're trying to say Chemistry's Insights better because you can just you know uh, jumpstart so, it. The issue with Chemistry's Insight compared to this card is that Insight is basically trading two cards for four cards, split up over several turns. Yeah, you know, it's always netting you a card each time you cast it. Whereas this lets you get you know an additional lets you just get two cards right away. And then there are going to be some times where you're going to be able to use that scry three and cast it during your main phase. Like as a control deck, yeah. Say you got the say you're sinking the hooks in right, and you've got like ten lands out there. You can easily just cast precog perception on your main on your main phase. Draw like scry three, draw three, and say go while holding up potentially two counter spells. And let's say you're at ten mana as well, and you just and like your opponent's tapped out or whatever, you just needed to find a Teferi or something. You cast it, you see a Teferi as well as another card you want, play Teferi plus it, draw that card, and then you're just you know off to the races. I think this card's very good. I don't know if it's going to replace Chemistry's Insight. You're going to draw. In you're decks. going to draw that card if you see it off it. Scry three, draw three. Yeah, you you should see the card you need. Yeah. Um. So I think that this card is very good. I think it's going to see play. Um, I think that the I think that decks aren't going to play both insight and perception. I think that it, it's going to be one or the other. I see this uh, I is that like the, a two of. Yeah, I think the Phoenix decks are going to play the uh, the Chemistry's Insight because they do need discard outlets. Same mm-hmm. thing with like if you're playing Drake. Whereas this is a card for like the hardcore control decks. My win condition is to fairy, or I have one Neza Hall in my deck. I just need to find it. And that's what this card is good at. Yeah, and that's even saying like if Drake or Phoenix survives. I mean, granted, those cards are great and they're probably going to survive, but the, I honestly get, assume that the Phoenix decks and the Drake decks are not going to look the same. I mean, obviously not. They're getting. We'll I mean, get they're getting a couple other cards. They're getting that extra are really toys. That. Yeah, they're getting extra toys. They might be able to hit white e- a little easier if they want yeah. to. But I mean, they already had Glacial Fortress, so who knows? I actually played against a Jeskai Drake deck last night. It was kind of weird. Best of one. There you go. Yeah, definitely clarion. Speaking of white cards, this card is a Azorius card. It is Deputy of Detention. Ian, what does the Deputy do? Oh, wait, I had the wrong one next up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. I've flipped them around. I didn't put Deputy of Detention down. You read this one. I'll I'll grab Uh, it. It is one white blue for a 1-3 Vidalcan Wizard at rare. Uh, When it enters the battlefield, exile target non-land permanent and opponent controls and all other non-land permanents that player controls with the same name as that permanent until Deputy of Detention leaves the battlefield. So like its name thing, it's Detention Sphere on a 1-3 body. It is slightly different from Detention Sphere. Detention Sphere is actually slightly more powerful and slightly weaker. Um, For example, uh, Deputy of Detention can hit your opponent's Deputy of Detention, whereas Detention Sphere cannot. Um, Oh, right, yes, it's not named Detention Sphere, yeah. Also, Deputy of Detention only exiles all to all the targets or all of the cards of the same name that the opponent controls that you exile the card from. So in like Commander, if you're playing as four people and everyone has a soul ring, you play Detention Sphere, you exile someone's soul ring, you exile everyone's soul ring. That's not what this card does in Commander. Yeah, no, it just gets that one. Mm-hmm. But um, this is more this is, this is yeah, I don't see this getting played necessarily in Commander. I mean you could. But this card is already, you know, had a little bit of waves made in modern. Uh, it's a three mana creature in in blue, white, green colors. So Bant Spirits could play this. Humans could theoretically play oh, this. Can I just say, thank God it's a Vidalcan and not a human. Yeah, thank God it's a Vidalcan, not a human. Anyway. So, but this this card has a lot of legs on it. Uh, it's going to make token decks a little bit less reliable because that's what the tension sphere is really good at. This is cleaning up tokens. Yeah, name all of your uh, sappy boys. Exactly. Get all of those sapperlings out of here. Yeah. So, anyway, speaking of EDH, this one is definitely. I mean, I I might see play in standard. I don't know. Uh, I think this card's going to see play in standard. Okay, definitely EDH though, because smothering tithe gives white the card draw. Or ramp, I should say, not card draw. The ramp that it so desperately needs and it has a hard time finding. It's a three and a white enchantment. 
that says whenever an opponent draws a card, that player may pay two. If the player doesn't, you create a colorless treasure artifact token with tap, sack, this artifact, add one mana of any color. So It's like the Rhystic Study Clause, but extra. Yeah, so th- this is my turn to be confused because I thought you were going to a different card, not this one. But yeah, uh, Smothering Tithe is yeah, it's Rhystic Study 2.0 basically, but instead of cards, you get mana. Yeah. Um, it is it. I think this card can see standard play. I don't know if it will. Um, it would basically be a hedge against the control decks to make their syncopates really, really bad. Um, also, uh, Mark Rosewater was asked about the fact that, hey, we have a treasure token here in Ravnica. What's up? And he goes, oh, treasure tokens are deciduous now. So any designer who needs treasure for their set can basically have it. Yeah. And also speaking of something that kind of came up, uh, as a brief aside, nothing to do with Smothering Tithe. Goodbye to, uh, Prowess. Yeah, Prowess is no longer evergreen. <laughs> it lasted, like, what, all of a year and a half? Uh, two no, years? uh, it started in... Oh, no, no, I meant, I meant as being, I meant as being evergreen. It's only been as around... As being evergreen? Yeah, it's only been the around for, like, two years. The last Prowess creature was in... <sighs> Either way, like... Was it an Hour of Devastation? Might have been. We've been... Yeah, it was one of those. But, yeah, we've been seeing more of the... It hasn't really been necessarily prowess because that was like a uh, non-creature spell. Mm-hmm. It's been more of like cast an instant or a sorcery or cast an artifact or enchantment. It's like actually delineated what kind of thing you have to do to get that bonus. Mm-hmm. So it's been like prowess, but only for spells or like yep. instants and sorceries. So anyway, Smothering Tide is going to, you're going to see this in literally every white based if it's mono white, you're gonna see in every mono white commander deck, like ever, mm-hmm. from now till the end of time. It's true. I mean, Rhystic Study was pay one, you know, to draw a card. This is pay two and you get ramp. So, and granted, it's only gonna make white, but yeah. Also, uh, there, yeah, the last prowess creature that I can find uh, is in Hour of Devastation. Gotcha. Yeah. So it so. hasn't been a thing for basically this entire standard currently. Mm-hmm. So. But this is the one you said was definitely going to play standard, be standard playable, and I agree. Yeah. Sphinx of the Foresight. Uh, this was previewed by Seth Manfield over at TCG Player. It is two blue-blue for a 4-4 flying creature Sphinx at rare. Uh, it says at the beginning of your upkeep, scry one. But this has a line of text that I'm always excited to use, where whenever you start a game and you get to go, hold on, I have pregame effects. <laughs> yeah. It says, you may reveal this card from your opening hand. If you do, scry three at the beginning of your first upkeep. That is straight up bananas for a control deck. You're getting a 4-4 flyer for four, which is already decent like control player stats. With the at the beginning of your upkeep, scry one. So you're already going to start getting card selection out of that. The only thing that really hits this right now is Lava Coil that people are playing. Yeah. Um, I mean, your opponent's going to know it's going to hit, but getting that if you have this in your opener as a control player... You're just like a kid in a candy shop. Now, I think that this is not a control card. This is if this is Tempo a control mid-range. card, it's a sideboard card. I think this is more of a mid-range card. Okay. I think that if there's a, you know, blue green X deck that needs some sort of flying finisher. I've seen people say teamer might be a thing. Yeah, I think teamer mid-range is definitely going to be something that you're going to pay attention to. Uh like Sphinx's Foresight does a lot of really good stuff, especially for a mid-range deck. Um, where you're able to look at your hand, reveal the Sphinx, and then do you need lands? Put some lands on top. Do you need interaction? Put interaction on top. Whatever you need, you're probably going to find it in the top three. Yeah. So I think this card is very, very good and it's going to see play. I would absolutely keep a Mediocre 7 if it had Sphinx of Foresight in the uh, that opening Mediocre 7. Yeah. You're just going to get so much selection. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's like say your Mediocre 7 is you have four or five, four or five lands and like Sphinx of Foresight and one other spell. You just scry three, look at the top three, and just put any land you want on the bottom, or vice versa. It's so good and so versatile. Mm-hmm. Plus, I just love so. the fact it's, I, I don't know, I'm just a fan of 4-4 four, four Sphinxes. <laughs> Give me a 4-4. Four, four. Curator of Mysteries is really, really cool. Give me a f- I think that this card is a little different, but it's still very good. Yeah, just give me a 4-4 four, four for four. Flying, happy man. Uh, next card is one that apparently, I think according to Sam Stoddard I saw on Twitter, they've been trying to put this card into a set for about a year plus now and it's finally seeing its day in the sun quench what you know, what does quench say so quench is one in a blue at common which is kind of fun i don't think it's going to see 
uh, popper play, but it's an instant. Well, there, there's a, literally a strictly better in popper. Yeah, there's already strictly better. So anyway, it's strictly better because this one only is counter target spell unless this controller pays two. The strictly better card, of course, is Mana Leak, which says pay three. There was also Sensor, which was pay one, and Sensor saw play. Everyone's like, oh, well, Sensor quench. also saw play because it said cycling. Yeah, that's true. But still, this like, doesn't. I, I don't know if this is going to see play in standard, but it's very interesting that they're finally getting a, like, Mana, someone said Mana Week. Or, I, I love Mana Week. Or, mana Week's great. <laughs> mana Leak Light. Yeah. Um, It's miscalc without the cycling, mm-hmm. uh, which makes it way strictly worse than miscalculation but mm-hmm. yeah i it remains to be seen i just think it's cool that like you said stoddard like sam stoddard said was trying to get this in for a while now and they're able to actually just jam it on in yeah like we've seen clards pr- pr- pretty close to this like revolutionary rebuff in uh, kaladesh is basically this card for non-artifact spells yeah but this one's great because it can hit everything yeah yeah the and, only thing the only uh, thing as that, long as the only thing that kept as long re- as the mono blue deck is around yeah i think quench is gonna see play. the only thing that kept rebuff from getting played is the fact that marty vehicles was a major player in standard at that time mm-hmm. so there was no way you were going to play something that was just dead to half your opponent's deck exactly Especially when it was having like a 30% metagame share. I was just like, you were asking for trouble to have that in their deck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we already talked about some token hosers, right? Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about more token hosers. Or just aggro hosers in general. This is Small. Cry of the Carnarium. Yeah, hope you don't like bears. Anyway, Cry of the Carnarium is a one black black sorcery at uncommon that reads, all creatures get minus two, minus two until end of turn. Exile all creature cards in all graveyards that were put there from the battlefield this turn. If a creature card or if a creature would die this turn, exile it instead. Yeah, so this not only is a token hoser, because infests are very, very good against token decks, they're also great against aggro decks in general. Uh, this is also a Phoenix hate card. You can play this if your opponent has a couple Phoenixes out and suddenly they're all gone. Oh yeah, because Phoenix is a 3-2. Mm-hmm. yikes green black just got a nice tool i didn't even think about that green black got a nice tool against phoenix now the other funny thing is that this may not be a green black card because the green you know all, all the golgari cards care about having cards in your graveyard for like undergrowth shenanigans Maybe uh, not all of them, but a good number of them i mean and also don't forget that one of the big cards in golgari anyways right now is fine finality which and gets left back you, yeah because and yeah, yeah, it's just. Oh yeah, now that I think about it. Yeah, it's because I was thinking. I was thinking a lot of like for... the yeah, a lot of those. Uh, what's it called? Golgari cards are kind of like X twos anyway. Yeah, exactly. Like they're all understated for the most part, except for the big dogs like Carnage Tyrant, Find Broker. Yeah, because it's all Wild Growth Walker. It's all about the ETB. Like every mm-hmm. yeah, there's only like three or three cards in that deck that don't die to this. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's very much an aggro hoser. It's very good against Phoenix. It's going to be very good. This against might be actually. This might be good against Green Black. Actually, yeah. Come to think of it's it, it's also very good against White Weenie. Um, if they don't have a venerated Loxodon, um, you know, it's one of the few ways that a black deck can uh, interact with an Adanto Vanguard. I have a, so, I have a feeling uh, Cyborg if Orzov Control becomes a thing, which Orzov or Exper, which we'll get there for. Yeah. Next card is one that. Man, this card, when I first saw it, I'm like, this card is priced to move. The card is Drill Bit. It's two and a black for a sorcery at Uncommon. It says target player reveals their hand. You choose an on-land card from it. That player discards that card. So it's basically Dark Inquiry from Rivals of Ixalan, which was a fine, you know, role player in Limited. Your three mana coercion effects, as they're called, are fine. But it has a spectacle cost of black. So if you can hurt your opponent... You can play. You can basically play a a damage free Thoughtseize. Yeah, which is kind of bonkers. Will it yeah. see play? Who knows? But I love the fact that they actually basically incentivized you to hey punch your opponent and you get a Thoughtseize yeah. without punching you, yourself. You can technically play this as Thoughtseize on turn one in modern if you gut shot them, and then you don't have to lose. Wait a minute, pay. Mm, that doesn't work, does it? Is it combat damage? No, no, no. Gutshot is is Phyrexian mana, so you can you pay two life. You're, you're still thought seizing them. Yeah, you're still thought seizing them, except you're, you're two for one in yourself instead of one for one in yourself. Yeah, it's to jump through some hoops. It's kind of weird, but it's. I, uh, I could see this seeing play in modern, like an eight rack, but oh, it's, mm, they don't yeah, really do a whole lot of damage though. 
Uh, not necessarily on their turn is the big thing, but you never know. They play Mutavolt. I mean, you could pox into this. Yeah. I think the drill bit is, is going to see play in standard quite a bit, I think. Um, but I'm not sure about older formats. It's, it is it is very, very good. It might be something the black decks bring in against control. Oh, yeah. Because no, you play can my... yeah, play like your Seeker Squire or whatever like that, punch you in the face for one, and hey, guess or, what? Discard. Or play red, black, aggro. Turn one, you go Gitu Lava Runner. Next turn, you hit them, and then you go Drill Bit You, Drill Bit You. Because <laughs> red, black has, yeah. Oof. Yeah. Dragon Skull Summit, yeah. and now they got uh, Blood Crypt. Yikes. Yeah. So let's, yeah, uh, yeah. let's talk about this one. So this is a card. So this one. Yeah. Oh, man. I don't know if you've seen on Twitter. Uh, this is a card that Emma... Handy has declared stupid, but stupid in like a, oh my god, this is a ridiculous card. Good way. Maybe? I'm not sure. I took it to mean as in like an unhealthy way. I it It's it's going to do some things. It might. People are going to try and break this card in modern. Uh, they're going to. How badly it breaks is the whole question. Yeah. So what card are we talking about, John? This card is Electro-Dominance. It is X red red for a rare instant. It says Electrodominance deals X damage to any target. All right, so it's a it's a it's a fireball at instant speed. You may cast a card with converted mana cost X or less from your hand without paying its mana cost. So, so uh, what a what a what cost no mana. Well, there's a lot of things that cost no mana. There's living uh, living end. There's ancestral vision. Uh, there is uh, what else? Restore balance is also in modern. Those are the big ones that everyone's been thinking of. You know, just pay red, red, deal zero damage to your opponent. Oops, balance you, you lose. Or oops, living end, you know, crazy things happen. Um, this is a card that I am wondering if it's Storm playable. Because here's the thing with Storm. All of our rituals are instants. The only cards that are sorceries in the deck are a couple cantrips, mm-hmm. uh, pass and flames, yep. and a wing con- and grape shot or wing condition. Okay. Electrodominance lets you lets you cast cards out of whether or not they need to be instants or not. And so you're I casting see, it. You're casting yes. it, which is key. Which lets you get like, let's say that, you know, my opponent it's the end of my opponent's turn and they say go and they've cast like two spells on their turn. I go, cool. Ritual a bunch, electrodominance you for like nine, then cast grape shot for like ten. Huh. Like that's not an unreasonable line to think. Um how many would you play? Like one or two? You wouldn't go ham with this card, I don't think. But it's definitely a card that has me intrigued as to the possibility of it being just bonkers good. Now, one of the cards I saw that, or lines of play that people were mentioning was Scape Shift. Mm-hmm. Because you cast this for six, so X equaling four. Mm-hmm. Cast or Scape Shift. And even if your opponent, like usually the thing with Scape Shift is you have to get to a critical number of mountains, you can actually lessen the like number. Usually of, it's seven lands yeah. when Scape Shift you, gets to actually kill your you opponent. You can actually kill your opponent with six now with yeah. this because you'll hit them for the four in the face. So even if they haven't fetched or shocked, which you know, you're know you you're less likely to do when you're seeing Scape Shift, you're trying not to shock yourself and help them you know, accelerate their own game plan. Mm-hmm. But they punch you for four, cast Scape Shift for free off of this, and then just punch you down. You can be at 20 life and just die to scape shift like that now. You don't even have to take damage. Mm-hmm. So I would not be surprised to see people toying with this in certain uh, Titan Shift or other scape shift related decks. Exactly. So this will probably see some play for sure. Anytime, yeah, it's, it's anytime you can, enough. anytime you can cast something without paying its mana cost like that and it's scalable. It's powerful. Oh boy. Yeah. So this card, this card, this card. I am ready to lose this card in limited. Oh my god. Yeah, this card is ridiculous. So, Ian, what does what is the Guardian project? So I it's the green enchantment, right? Yes. Okay, so three green enchantment at rare. Whenever a non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control, if that creature does not share a name with another creature you control or have in your graveyard, draw a card. It this card basically in Commander reads you play a creature, you draw a card. Yeah, like, this is nuts. Yeah, in Limited, this is going to be a real humdinger, too, because you don't all, you don't often get duplicates of your creatures in Limited. So this card is going to be very, very good. It's going to help you turn through your deck in Limited. You're going to be able to just set up some crazy lines. And, you know, sometimes, sure, you'll, you'll have a duplicate and you go, well, 
Yeah. Oops, I just have this duplicate of like one of the best cards in my deck if you have like an Aeromunculus or whatever. Yeah. You know, uh, you know what's fun though? Hmm? It's Singleton. Yeah. Like like Arena Singleton is gonna oh, yeah, love this too. one. Yeah, this card is is very interesting. Um now there was a uh translation of it that said uh doesn't share a creature type instead of a creature instead of a name, which was a made it a very different card. Oh yeah. Um but not having the same name is what is going to really kind of make this card actually pretty good. Yeah, and to be fair, I won't play this in my Animar EDH deck. Yeah, because all your morphs have have the same name. I mean, there's a lot of there's, no a, there's a lot of cards that aren't morphs, but at the same time, it's like eh, my deck's geared to be like half more, like more than half morph. So yeah, yeah. So not every not your... every green based creature deck in EDH is going to play this card. No, but a lot of them will. Oh yeah, no, it's like a ninety eight kind of thing 98 percent of them will like uh, animar morphs is like the weird corner case where it won't yeah exactly. but that's just because it's doing its own weird thing yep i have plenty of uh, ways to draw cards in that deck uh next is a card that um a lot of people think is broken and a mistake and i think they're wrong but the card is wilderness reclamation it is three and a green for an enchantment uncommon at the beginning of your end step untap all lands you control so remember that EDH deck thing I was talking about? Yeah, this is getting in there. <laughs> this is basically Seedborn Muse fixed version. It's an enchantment, which makes it a little bit harder to remove, and the lands only untap on your instep, not at every other person's upkeep. Which is still like not uber broken, which is I was doing some sick things with Seedborn Muse over the holidays yeah. when I was playing some games. Uh yeah. but it's still good. <laughs> Now, this card is going to be really good and limited, especially if you are in the Simic area where you're doing adapt shenanigans, because you can then like play this on turn four, then on your next turn, you know, or let's say you play a, a an adapt creature on turn three, you play this on turn four, untap all your lands, adapt to that creature, untap, play a land, play a five drop with adapt, untap your lands, adapt it at the end of the opponent's turn. Like this is this is going to be very very good and limited if you have things to do on your opponent's turn with your mana sinks, things like the guild mages which are coming back, things like adapt creatures. Any sort of mana sink gets insane with this card. To be fair though, have you seen the guild mages? They're not. They're, they're fine. They're okay. The the hey, Azorius, one of them, the one of them hits one, your opponent. The Azorius okay? one is pretty good. Yeah, the Azorius one's pretty good. Other than that, um, they're kind of eh. Now. The people are afraid of this card because of standard, because they don't want the control decks to have this card. Now, granted, it's green. It's not blue or white. So you'd have to be Bant, probably, maybe something else, to be able to use this card to like play a sorcery speed threat and then just untap all your lands. Or you can do stupid things with it like, you know, tap all my lands out, untap them into my turn, cast Nexus of Fate, take an extra turn, whatever. I don't think this card is that good Ugh. in standard, mainly because there's a lot of answers for enchantments right now in standard. Yeah. There's there's Mortify, which is coming out. There's Night of Autumn, which is already seeing play. All like the O-Ring style spells can hit this, right? Yeah. All, all your Ixalan's Bindings, your Conclave Tribunals. Like this card's a four mana do nothing. You have to do something with that mana after you untap with it. And if you don't get that chance, then you're basically SOL. Yeah, you better have I think, an instant to follow this up with, essentially. Yeah. So I think this card is pretty good, but I do not think it's as backbreaking as people think. Yeah. Well, we'll see. But yeah, the I, jury is out. I, I think this card will see some play because people are gonna people love aggro. Well, I mean, I I am a purveyor of powerful aggro decks myself. All right, so John, take this one. Yeah. So Domri Chaosbringer is two red-green for a legendary planeswalker Domri at Mythic. Uh, he has three abilities. His plus one is add red or green. If that mana is spent on a creature spell, it gains Riot. So you can just give any of your creatures Riot or double Riot because Riot does stack. Oh, and by the way, it comes with five loyalty. I was, I was going to get to that last. Oh, okay. Which, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's minus three. Is look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal up to two creature cards from among them and put them into your hand and put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. So it's basically divination for creatures, yep. which if you're playing Dharma, you should have a lot of creatures in your deck. Yep. And then minus eight, you get an emblem with at the beginning of each end step, create a four, four red and green beast creature token with trample. And then it starts with five loyalty, which is a lot. Yep. Like 
The last four mana planeswalker we saw that started at five loyalty was Jace the Living Guild Pact. Now that wasn't a great. That Jace was bad. That wasn't a great. Yeah, that was my say. That's not a great card. This one though, that Jace was bad. Domri is very good. Like being able to give any of your like future creatures just riot. Like here's a here's a line that's not that's that's not that crazy. I go turn one land or elf. I go turn two whatever. Turn three, I play Domri. Make a green mana. Play another land or elf as a two two. Yeah. Like that's a pretty good turn. Or and you can go fact that play Domri, just do whatever with it, and then the next turn play a land plus it. Hey, here's a Ravager Worm with double riot. Or here's a Carnage Tyrant with haste. Or there's a there's a lot of crazy things you can do with Domri. Yeah. It's I think he's very good. He's you know slightly different than the old version of Domri, which acted as a removal spell a lot of the time because his, his plus one was similar to the minus three of the new Domri. His minus ability was, you know, my creature fights your creature, and then his ultimate was basically your creatures can never die. Yeah, double strike, uh, ha- double strike, trample, hexproof haste. Yeah, so I think Domri is going to see play in some sort of red green aggro deck. Uh, I have again, maybe this could get into like some sort of team or mid range deck that's heavily focused on creatures. I don't know, but it's interesting to think about. So we'll see where Domri lines up, but I think Domri is going to be very, very good. So speaking of, yeah, it, it will be, but speaking of team or creatures that or creatures that might exist in a team or deck, good Lord. So Melissa Dottora previewed this card <laughs> and it, and just, just take it away. All right. So the return of the snack, but it's not quite a snack. So mystic snake, the classic one green, blue, blue, two, two flash ETB counter target spell it's back on a bigger body with a weird mana cost. A frilled mystic. With a better with better creature types. Yeah. Frilled mystic. Green, green, blue, blue. So this is one of the CCDD creatures. This is the Simic one. It's a 3-2 with flash at uncommon. When frilled mystic enters the battlefield, you may counter target spell. Now, John mentioned the creature type line. It's a creature elf lizard wizard. Finally, the lizard wizards are here. We have lizard wizards. Oh man, there's a lot of real fun stuff with the creature lines in uh, in the Simic here that just haven't been there in old sets. Like, sure, there's a couple that are like, oh, this is cute and whatnot. Like, there's a card preview today called Sharktopus, which is a fish octopus. Uh, oh god, what was the last one? Cra- Lizard? Crab? No, crab. That's what it was. It was it was fish fish octopus crab. Like, seriously, come on. Yeah, it's it's weird, but anyway, this is gonna see some play. I, I yes. would not be surprised to see it have this like i said if a teamer deck exists this is getting in there mm-hmm. for sure it is you know it's hard to cast but this is going to be a very powerful card like even if like a simic midrange deck emerges like this card is yeah this card is very good so we'll, we'll see how it goes but it's still fun we had to bring it up because it's just like mystic snake 2.0 mm-hmm. and so this was a card that got a lot of talk a lot of talk because how good is kaya orzov usurper the real question is how good are three mana planeswalkers? <laughs> because again, she's a one white black legendary planeswalker Kaya at Mythic Rare for three loyalty. So she's a three mana planeswalker with three loyalty, which usually is like the going rate for okay, you've got my interest. Mm-hmm. Plus one, exile up to two target cards from a single graveyard. You gain two life if at least one creature was egg card was exiled this way. Not bad. Uh, minus one exile target non-land permanent with converted mana cost one or less and minus five kaya orzov usurper deals damage to target player equal to the number of cards that player owns in exile and you gain that much life so kaya is very narrow yes which isn't necessarily a bad thing and i'm okay if kaya's shtick is exile matters well, you know, I, I, she cares about how things are exiled because that's the only way to really kill ghosts. Um, but a lot of the talk about her is that just, she's just too narrow is a lot of what a lot of people are saying. Like, she's not – she doesn't do enough. She's too restrictive. And, like, if her minus one set had any other number than one or zero, I think this card would be bonkers good. Like, having three minus ones to exile, you know, a two drop, a one drop, and a two drop, that's like – that's a lot of really good value there. Now I feel like the last I time, feel like they finally figured out a way to make a three mana planeswalker not instant. I'm slamming this in my deck. There's a couple. I mean, there are a few other ones like you know Tybalt or not Tybalt. Uh, Tybalt never saw play, but Sarkin. You know, Sark three mana Sarkin. He it took him a while because but he was because he was also very niche. Well, he, you have to play him in dragons. Yeah, but he needed a critical mass of dragons at that point. They they didn't have the decent dragons for him to Correct. pump out yet. Now 
The last time I made a list of cards that a Planeswalker interacted with was Liliana, The Last Hope. Because everyone was like, Liliana, The Last Hope, not as good as Liliana, The Veil. And I was like, yeah, but her plus one, which was give a creature minus two, minus one, not only neutralizes a lot of things, but kills quite a few things. Yeah. And And it still sees playing modern. It's a win condition in Legacy. It's very, very good. Yeah, she's a really good Planeswalker. Kaya, yeah, we'll see. Well, here's the thing. Here's here are the things that Kaya's minus one can exile. Noble Hierarch. Yep. Aetherfire. Yep. Chalice of the Void. Yep. Hangerback Walker. Yep. Hardened Scales. Yep. Like, and I could go on. Mox Opal. Yep. You know, like Pyrite Spellbomb. Chromatic Star. Ex- you just got, um, you just, Expedition You map. just got to hope they don't sack it. Yeah. I mean, there's some things that it doesn't work. Like, yes, Kaya's minus one can technically target a Walking Ballista, but they're never going to let you exile a Walking Ballista with it. No, they're just going to... Like... Kaya has a lot of things going for her. She's a three-mana planeswalker. The issue is that her abilities aren't that obliquely strong right now. And like in standard, there's not that many things that are widely seen played that you can hit with her. Like Legion's Landing, um, you know, Dauntless Bodyguard, uh, Firebrand Fanatic or Fanatical Firebrand, Gitu Lava Runner. There's not a lot of one drops, Elvish Mystic or whatever, that you really care to use a planeswalker minus on. And it's it's just one of those things that is going to be very interesting to see where she lands. Because she is going to see play. Again, three-minute Planeswalkers always see play. Yeah. It just depends on the right metagame, the right deck, the right outcome for Kaya to make a difference. And also, here's the other thing. Getting rid of one one CMC cards or less is gets better the further back you go in older formats. Like in Vintage, like... She can kill a Mox. She can kill a whole bunch of things in that format. Oh, yeah. It's just, again, finding the right home. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's going to be quite interesting. So we'll see where it goes. But next up is another Kaya card. But it's the return of the four-mana wrath. (laughs) Sort of. Yeah. I mean, it is technically a four-mana wrath. In fact, it's Kaya's Wrath. Ian, what does what does her Wrath say? So her Wrath is white, white, black, black. So it's a CCDD, but it's not the creature, because we already have one of those for it. Wars off, but it's a sorcery rare. It's a story spotlight card, which is nice. Uh, destroy all creatures. You gain life equal to the number of creatures you controlled that were destroyed this way. So it's supposed to play into afterlife, because your car- your creatures are going to turn into spirits. And so, you know, it's a, it's a four-mana Wrath. Where you're you're okay wiping away some of your own creatures because hopefully they're being replaced with a bunch of spirits and you're also buffering your life total. Um, now this is a four mana wrath, but the only deck where this is going to be four mana is if you're only playing white and black cards. Yeah, because being able to play this on turn four in like an Esper control deck, good luck. Now there are some fun things to be done with this if you're playing if you go heavy on uh, white black afterlife creatures and you have divine visitation out. You destroy all the creatures. You make all of your creatures that would have become spirit tokens become four for angel tokens. That just becomes hilarious. It really does. But this is definitely the the appropriate costing in this environment for a four mana wrath. I think. Oh, absolutely. Like I think I think this is like two white black. That'd be too good. I think at white white black black, it's the right cost to make a Esper control deck have to think really really hard about whether they really want to try to play Kaya's Wrath yeah. versus whether they just want to be playing Cleansing Nova and Settle the Wreckage instead. Yeah, the uh, the mana base is there for it. It's just, do you want to punch yourself for that shock damage? Yeah. It remains to be seen. I think we need to see what the actual kind of like aggro decks are going to look like before really settling on that card for an Esper Control uh, deck. Agreed. Orzhov Control? Agreed. Get in. Straight up, get in. But... So this is a this next one though this next card I'm probably gonna lose to again in the vein of Canadian Highlander to Lindsay. I'm I'm probably gonna cast this card a bunch. I also thought this was a rare, not an uncommon. So. This is nuts at uncommon. Yeah. Uh, so Rhythm of the Wild is a one red green enchantment at uncommon that reads: Creature spells you control can't be countered. Non-token creatures you control have riot. That's right. Doesn't matter if they say riot on the card. Everybody gets riot. This is. And if they do say riot, they get double riot. Oh yeah, this is nuts. Like I sent this to Lindsay, she's like, ooh. And I'm like she's like, I don't know if I want to play this. And I'm like, are you serious? She's like, no, I'm just I'm messing with you. No, I'm absolutely putting this in my deck. Because if she yeah. sticks this on three, my Jeskai control list does not have a lot of ways of dealing with enchantments relatively easily in it. 
Like I have ways of getting rid of enchantments, yes, but I don't pack a whole lot of enchantment hate. This if this sticks through a counter spell, I'm potentially hosed. Oh yeah, because she'd just be able to start to end a lot of games. Yeah, she'll start spitting out just creatures with haste or just making them bigger than my like small little guys that my deck just uses for chump blockers essentially. Before I can make my game plan tick, yeah, this is gonna hurt hard. Yeah, and then also on the same line as with you know wild with you know wilderness reclamation or whatever. Here's another really busted enchantment that can just end the game if it sticks around too long. And there's a lot of ways to kill enchantments. Now, fun thing to think about this, though, is his non-token creatures. So using this in, like, if shifting uh, Selesnya tokens into, like, Naya tokens isn't going to work. Straight up just won't. It's not going to deal. Wizards was smart enough to not do that. Thank God. <laughs> well, they saw the sapperlings they were printing in the previous set, and they're like, yeah, do we want to give make them tutus or hasties? Mm. Probably not. No, so... John, yeah. speaking of three men enchantments, we're on a theme here. Yeah. Oh, God. So Theater of Horrors is the new Phyrexian Arena, except it doesn't hurt you. It is one red-black for a rare enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, exile the top card of your library. And during your turn, if an opponent lost life this turn, you may play cards exiled with Theater of Horrors. So that lets you play lands and whatnot. And then you can pay three and a red to have Theater of Horrors deal one damage to target opponent or Planeswalker. So it enables itself to let you play the cards you exile off of it, but you're playing Rakdos anyways. You should be, in, you know, you know, triggering Spectacle whenever you get the chance to. So Theater of Horrors, very, very good card. It's going to see play. It's going to be annoying. And again, this is a really good enchantment that there's a lot of good enchantment removal for in the format. Yeah, it's... It's also just fun as a late game mana sink, honestly. Oh, that too. Like it's just it's just a it's just a you know fireball and layaway. Yeah, just occasionally just chunks mana into it. Pay you know, get your spectacle cards out. You're good. Yeah. So, who knows? So on to turning our heads sideways. Just kidding. Thankfully, I'm reading a card that actually turned the card sideways for us. It's a split card. It's the Azorius Rare Warrant and Warden. Is it and for these? I I just have res- resorted to and, but there's a lot of people who just don't put a connecting word between yeah, them. Warrant or warden. Uh, so the the hybrid side warrant is hybrid white blue hybrid white blue for an instant. Put target attacking or blocking creature on top of its owner's library. So that's just part of Azorius charm. It's one of the, it's one of the actual modes of Azorius charm. Yep. But back for hybrid mana, and we have warden, which is three white and a blue for a sorcery. That says, create a 4-4 white and blue Sphinx creature token with flying and vigilance. Hey, John, I like Sphinxes with flying. They're 4-4s. I mean, it's also just Sarah Angel. Yeah, you literally get a Sarah Angel. Like, it's 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 yeah. good. It's very good and limited. It's also going to see play in standard, just because it's two mana deal with a creature, or alternatively, it's just, you know. Yeah. You know, here here's here's my win condition. Yeah. Here's my 4-4 flyer I'm going to kill you with. Yeah, like, uh, say somebody's going hype on a Drake and is swinging for lethal, just go warn it back to your, warn it back to the library, deal yep. with it. Or somebody's wild growth walker gets out of hand, bop back to the library, lose all your counters on it. So it's it's good. Yeah. All right. Now this card sparked some conversations about how, exactly how good it is. Uh, it is uh, previewed today from the Good Luck High Five group. It is Ethereal Absolution. Uh, it is a rare enchantment for four white-black, and it has three main abilities. Creatures you control get plus one, plus one. Okay, it's an anthem. Creatures your opponents control get minus one, minus one. All right, so it nurse my opponent's creatures and busts my own creatures. It's a permanent zealous persecution. I'm okay with this. Two white-black, colon, exile target card from an opponent's graveyard. If it was a creature card, you create a one-one white and black spirit creature token with flying. So if you exile your opponent's creatures from their graveyard that have died, you then get a spirit, which isn't actually a 1-1 spirit, but a 2-2 spirit because you have Ethereal Absolution in play. Yeah, it's a, it's something you're probably going to lose to in Limited. Yeah, you're going to lose to this a lot in Limited. Uh, that's what the, the going Twitter theme is. And I agree, yeah, this is a card that's going to be annoying. Uh, yeah. Whether it's it's 6 mana, that's a little much. But yeah, it's a it's a lot of mana for standard. I think I think this is going to be like it's a very bonkers and limited. It's going to be a really good commander card. Oh yeah. Um, 
I just don't know if if this is a price that people are willing to pay for standard. I just don't know. I, I don't think it is. I think, six I think mi- it's just a little bit too much. If this had been five, I would have said, yeah, this will probably see some standard play. Six is, yeah. eh, you're in that like pushing it range. Yeah, it's it's close. Well, here's the thing. Not, I don't think it's so Here's the thing. At six mana, we still have the Immortal Sun. Exactly. Which is just, it's going to give you that anthem, and it also locks out Planeswalkers, which is just better than this. Yeah, I could see this as like a sideboard card for like a tokens mirror breaker where you're able to buff your tokens and, and you know, mitigate theirs. Like, like Abzan tokens just, kind of thing. Exactly. I just think that it's no, it's like one mana too expensive for it to be a legitimate contender. Yeah. And at that point, if you're playing a token mirror anyway, you're probably not going to be – I'll have a lot of exile creature or creature cards from the yeah. graveyard. So next one, this is such a Seth card. It is very much a MTG Goldfish got Angel of Grace, a three, not Angel's Grace, Angel of Grace. It's a three white, white, five, four creature angel mythic with flash flying. And when Angel of Grace enters the battlefield until end of turn, that damage, damage that would reduce your life total to less than one reduces it to one instead. It's literally the text off of Angel's Grace. Mm -hmm. Uh, However, it does more. So you go to one, right? And you're like, well, I'm sitting at one. If this dies for some reason, so say you use it as your chump blocker, right? You then untap, play land at six mana for four white white, exile Angel of Grace from your graveyard, your life total becomes ten. You just bought yourself a whole bunch of life. Yeah, against Agrodex, this card is pretty annoying. This is actually a pretty good answer in blue white against uh, Banefire because they can't counter it. So they can, instead of dying, they just go to one. Like, this card does a lot of really good like things. Like tap out for Banefire, Angel's Grace, Angel Grace. Well, crud. Yeah, it's it's a yeah. It's gonna be a card. Uh, Seth will Seth will definitely be uh, doing some. This is definitely a card that's going to see play. Um, much a brew about nothing kind of thing. Oh yeah, I think this card could also just see play in like a. It's it's a flash flyer with five power. Cyborg. Uh, four toughness is a little rough. Cyborg for control. It, cyborg option for control main deck option for control you know if if best of one truly is the future as many people are suggesting then this is definitely a card that you're going to want to play in a blue white control deck or blue white x control deck to try to end the game because it's a five power flyer it kills them in four turns yeah it's it's an absolute clock but it also dies to a lot of popular removal dies to lava coil uh there's the new dragon with riot that is either a four four haste or a five five that lets you you know use mana to deal damage this card blocks it on both fronts. You know, this is this card has a lot going for it to make it very, very good. Yeah, the play design did a good job with this one for sure. Oh, like yeah. spot on, good job, everybody. So yeah, next we've got two more split cards. Uh, a lot of Orzov previews today. It seems yeah. yesterday was Orzov day, which is the funny part. So Revival Revenge is the next split card. Revival is the Orzov hybrid mana, so it's white black or white black. So two mana, sorcery, at rare, return target creature card with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. Nice little revive target, a little more expensive unearth without the Mm -hmm. cycling. Uh, And then revenge is four four white black sorcery, double your life total, target opponent loses half their life total rounded up. I saw this and was like, get the heck in my Edgar Markov EDH deck. Or Aloro. Oh yeah, anything that abuses the... uh, sanguine bond yeah loop this is just like all right cool let's get that loop going now i also think this card's gonna be a big big player in standard for a lot of reasons um the second half is not that good in standard i don't think i think there's some times where it's going to be very impactful but other times it's just it's just not going to do anything fine but that but that front half so if you want to play so as an example if you were looking to play white in your in your golgari decks this is a reason to because sure you can just play this as black black but let's say you know you go turn two wild growth walker turn three you go jade light ranger and you see a jade light ranger on top you can just put it in the bin reveal what the next card is and then on your third turn you can go revival bring back my jade light ranger do it all over again yeah that's kind of gross and i would yeah i think yeah and then also there's there's some pretty impactful three drops or three or less mana cards in like white black. If you want to build like a white black aggro deck, you know, you can bring back the Knight of Malice or Knight of Glory. You can bring back that Adanto Vanguard. You, yeah, exactly. There's a lot of cards that this that this card can bring back. 
And then even like discounting that, you know, let's say instead you're going to be playing like a Mardu midrange deck. Revival brings back Rick's Mighty Reveler, you know, helps you get some extra card selection going and whatnot. Like I, this card has a lot going for mm-hmm. it. And I would be unsurprised if it saw play. And now, granted, yes, the revival, or the revenge half, is not that impactful in, in standard. But like, if you're take, if this game, if your game is taking a long time, and you need a way to help make sure to survive a couple more rounds, like you're playing against mono red and you're at eight, or you're playing against white weenie and you're and you're at five, and you just need more life to get there, and you're at this level of mana. You can just go revenge, you know, and then buffer your life total, lower theirs a little bit, make them easier to chip down with your heart, with your main finishers. Yeah, it pulls. This isn't it can help a, pull your butt out of the fire, basically. Exactly. This isn't a blue, white, or esper control card, I don't think, unless they're going to start playing, you know, creature threats that are three mana or less. I mean, hey, hey, wings salamander sanity being a card that es- yeah, the new salamander. Oh yeah. my god, I could see. Th- I could see Thief of Sanity being a card out of the Esper Control sideboards where Revival Revenge does some good work in. But again, I think this is a card that yeah. it's not quite Find Finality because Find Finality is very good. Yeah. Uh, but I think Revival Revenge does enough to be good. It, now, were you say Oh, no, I said yeah. I agree. Yeah, yeah for, for so sure. The other one, the we also got the Gruel Rare split card, which is Thrash Threat. So red green red green uh, hybrid mana for an instant. Uh, target creature you control deals damage equal to its power to target creature or planeswalker you don't control. It's a punch. So two mana punch a creature or planeswalker. So you know your opponent goes to fairy pluses says go. You untap. You still have a creature in play. You go thrasher to fairy kill you know and then punch you or whatever. Very good. Or if you need something to do, you can play threat, which is two red green for a rare sorcery. Create a four four red and green beast creature token with trample. Now I like the back half of these for the uh the white blue and this one. And that mm-hmm. the the sorcery side of the creature creation one, it's on par stats of what you'd expect. Like yeah. you're getting a, a four four trampler for four. That's usually what you can expect from red green. The white blue yep. is a Sarah Angel, which is perfectly on theme for the cost. Mm-hmm. So I feel like they did a great job on that second half of this one. Like we mentioned in the last one, not really sure how it's going to play, but this one is fine. Now, the big thing to note about a lot of these is, and people are going to look at the Guilds of Ravnica th- cycles because it looks like they've they've returned every cycle from Guilds of Ravnica, which I love. I was afraid they wouldn't, and they did, which is awesome. The back half of the Guilds of Ravnica ones where I think were almost more impactful, like you look at Expansion Explosion, like the back half can just kill someone out of nowhere. Yeah. We haven't seen one in this set that really kind of has that same feel. Now, we've seen the Gruul one, we've seen the Orzhov one, we've seen the Azorius one. Uh, we haven't really seen – we haven't seen the Simic one. And then there's uh, there's a foreign language preview of the Rakdos one, which hasn't gotten its English translation yet. But it's um, – a little not great. No. <laughs> like it it's and, land destruction. These are all yeah, these are all less impactful than their Guilds of Ravnica versions, which isn't a bad thing. No. But I just feel like they're a little their front halves or their 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 hybrid halves are are more powered up than their back halves, which either leads to me to think that threat and uh warrant or warden, excuse me, did different things and then play design was like we need to make these a little bit more easily understood so that we can make the metagame good yeah. and so they reverted them to these tokens instead that's fair um but yeah it's it's interesting when you can like actually see the difference in the two and be like maybe these these got changed or they changed maybe if we get those like hey deep from the files of r&d kind of thing like that we might see that someday yeah. like yeah we actually did a late change on a couple of these just making them like yeah. we're giving you a 4-4 trampler boar and we're giving you a sarah angel that's a sphinx but yeah um and the last card we get to talk well about i want to talk today we can talk about this one and briefly mention the other one to adapt to yeah. adapt one ones for blue <laughs> yeah ian what does benthic biomancer so benthic do? biomancer is a blue one one uh creature merfolk wizard mutant at rare with one in a blue adapt one whenever one or more plus one plus one counters are put on benthic biomancer draw a card then discard a card so you loot it's a literal merfolk looter <laughs> But it needs it, is, yeah. it, it doesn't tap. You just need counters. So this actually plays very well with the already currently existing Simic uh, Merfolk deck because you have uh, a Jade Bearer, a Deep Rooted uh, Deep Root Elite, 
that can put counters on benthic biomancer plus it also plays that uh oh god what's the there's river heralds that's the one yeah the one that there's vine shaper mystic kumana if you have enough merfolk puts counters on them. yeah kumana hasn't seen play in a while though but yeah this no. one you can probably get some value off of it worst comes to worst you're dealing with a two two merfolk you, you hit this on one on two adapt it draw a card discard a card that you don't need yeah it's i like it it does a lot of really good things. And the other card you mentioned is one that we don't have an English translation for yet, but we, it has been officially previewed. Uh, so um, the name translation is Winged Salamander. It's prob- It might change. Don't, not sure yet, but it's a, it's a flying man, which is code for. It's a blue, man, blue one one with flying, but it has seven blue adapt four. It's kind of expensive, but, but it's a weird pseudo delve. This ability costs one less for each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard. So, like, Gurmag Angler, you know, is essentially a one-mana 5-5 five five because you can you can exile six cards from your graveyard pretty easily. This card, like, it has legs for modern pretty easily because, sure, it's a one-mana 1-1 one, one to start with, but it has flying initially, so it's going to get in some damage if your opponent doesn't remove it. And then later on, if your opponent doesn't, you know, respect what it can, what it has the ability to do... You can just pay a blue mana, make it into a 5-5, five five, and then your opponents just go, oh. Yeah, it's like a weird pseudo-delver in that it yeah. cares about spells, but it's not going to be flipping off the top to care about boosting it to only a 3-2. This is going to become a 5-5 yeah. five five if you're doing any kind of uh, thought scour. Like, usually if you're... This is already- you can set this up to basically... You don't want to play this before you've thought scoured yourself. So you want to, like, you know, thought sees you on one, turn two... Thought scour myself, thought scour myself, pass a turn. Next turn, wink salamander, delve away, or pay one, make it, you know, the 5-5, five five, and then delve the cards away, stick a Gurmag Angler out, and you're dealing with a 5-5 five five flyer and a 5-5 five five ground pounder. You're like, what like the Also, what? like, like even it, like, this is not an unreasonable card, I think, for even Storm to consider. Granted, it doesn't advance our game plan that much more than it normally already does, but, like, paying blue-blue for a 5-5 five five flyer when you know we're getting a lot of things hated out from you know whether it's a rule of law or whatever this card does a lot of really good things in that same sphere i don't think it's going to get there like a sideboard but it's definitely yeah it's definitely interesting to think about at the very least i i enjoy it because everyone's like people are like hey we need our delver the set (laughs) well guess what (laughs) this is as best as we're going to get so who knows if it's going to be good for tempo decks i know some people are going to try and break this card oh yeah Uh, just just plan for that Plan, plan to get hit in the face for five with this card at some point. Definitely. Yeah. And that's all the cards we have so far that we wanted to talk about. Yeah. We'll talk more about them the rest of the set if there's any cards that really pique our interest next week. We'll, talk, we'll definitely after the pre-pre-release. Yeah, we'll talk about the pre-pre-release, uh, see how some things shook out there. We'll see what happens in the world of magic in the meantime between then and there. Um, I guess we can move on to the end. Yeah, basically. So, Ian, if people wanted to find you, where would they do so? You guys can find me on Twitter at dixonij that's d-i-x-o-n-i-j you guys can also find me on twitch at twitch.tv slash dix i was talking with john beforehand i want to do more arena streaming but with us being in that weird pseudo like i'd only be grinding out to just get levels or ranks up right now because it's essentially a dead standard format but i need to practice legacy for the upcoming scg baltimore at the end of the month and i can actually Tell who my teammates are because we're locked in and we've registered now. So my teammates for that event are going to be Ricky Ricky Hashi, who is uh, uh, MTG Wikipedia, uh, who's a judge, uh, level three, who does who's actually like head judged a couple SCG events and other stuff like that. Great guy, uh, fun to h- hang out with and chat when I've done it with him. And Angel, who is a cosplayer who did the wasn't uh the more recent Vraska, but she did the Vraska that has like the glowing eyes. She's done, uh, what's her name? Marwin, Elspeth and, uh, Rada at GP Seattle last year. So we're going to be playing with her. She's the standard, she's the standard seat. Ricky's going to be the modern seat and I'm going to be the legacy seat. So count to 10. It's probably going to be in fact. Um, now the thing is I have, obviously I have in fact built. Yeah. Looking at you, Mike. Um, I have basically all of the blue black uh 
shadow deck, but I'm probably not going to play that because that was just a, a flash in the pan for that Pro Tour when it took people by surprise. I've got Burn, and I've got basically the cards to do Blue Red or Grixis, uh, Delver, or yeah, of either one of those variants. It's not the greatest anymore, but they're still really good. I have all the cards for them. I'm probably just going to lean on Infect as it's what I know. So yeah, that'll be fun. So look for that in streams where I'm playing Legacy. Hey. So John, where can they find you? You guys can find me on Twitter at jwiley129. That's J-W-I-L-E-Y-129. You can also find me on Twitch at the same handle. So if you see me floating around a chat room, do not hesitate to go ahead and say hi. Uh, if you want to use the podcast directly, you can do so in one of two ways. You can hit us up on Twitter at Eyes and the Mize, or if you have a more personal question, you can shoot us an email at eyesandthemize at gmail.com. We would love to hear how we can best improve the podcast for you all, our lovely listeners. And as a reminder, Ian is currently taking uh, suggestions, comments. I haven't, about I haven't, a upcoming... yeah, I haven't put the project thing out. I mean, you mentioned it last week, but still, yeah. it, I mentioned it briefly last week. If you have any kind of things you want to talk about with chat moderation, uh, where you might want to see chat go in the future, should we have chat at all? Uh, seriously, I want to hear about it. Please DM me on Twitter, message the podcast. I would absolutely love to hear from you. Uh, I was going to try and get that together this past weekend, but I didn't. So I'm probably pushing the project a little bit to the right for this one. So this week I'm going to try and push something out to be like, here's the announcement for it. So yeah, you guys hear yeah, it we first. We would love to hear any input that you guys yes, have. Yes, we would absolutely love to. So yeah. Well, on behalf of Ian, I'm John. Thank you all so much for listening and we'll talk to you all next time.